Welcome everyone to Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. Today I'm joined by Gary Ware. Gary helps professionals level up their confidence, creativity and happiness using play. To do this, Gary incorporates techniques that professional improvisers use to create amazing experiences with no script. Gary has over half a decade of experience with improvisation and over 14 years in the field of digital marketing. I am so, so excited to talk to Gary specifically about play. Anyone who knows me knows that I love talking about the notion of play and the study of play. Go back and listen to the Neurochemicals at Play episode where you'll be able to hear about the four primary chemicals in our brains that make us feel joy and how they are elicited through play. Thank you, Gary, for joining us on the podcast. For anyone listening, the the connection from Gary and myself was I interviewed Jan Keck, and he happened to note that I had the exact same lamp as Gary. And if ever there's a point to connect someone, it's over the, the lamp choices. But as I delved deeper into your work, Gary, I found like, wow, so much alignment. What I've been really loving about doing the podcast is been the ability to be able to broaden my bubble of people that I know who do similar work and have similar interests and gain from them that knowledge. So for me, selfishly, this is professional development uh, to be able to continuously have these conversations. So thank you for uh, the gift of your time and your expertise. Before we get into any of the other questions, if you could tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Well, my name is Gary Ware. It's my mission to help people amplify anything, everything that they're doing. And I feel like the secret sauce to that, as you know, is play. <laughs> and my type of play comes from a decade of doing improvisation on the stage and using improv as a training tool uh, through applied to improvisation. And I guess if you ask my mom, she would say I've been goofing off my whole life. So that's essentially uh, who I am in a, in a nutshell. Um, you know, I'm a, a dad uh, to a, a very rambunctious four-year-old uh, named Garrett, and uh, I'm a husband. Uh, I love magic. Uh, I'm not necessarily that good at it, but I really admire it. And yeah, I, I think that gives people a little bit, yeah. uh, a little flavor of who I am. There's a professor called Dr. Stuart Brown, who you may be familiar with. One of his talks that he did, and, and, and in his book, he relates to play histories, the ability to look back on your past and identify whether or not you have had a lot of play or you haven't, and how that impl- impacts your future. Can you think of, of the moment where maybe your first memory of play that stands out? It doesn't necessarily have to be of childhood, but what's something that stands out to you of a memory of play and how maybe it's affected you? If I go as far back as, as I can remember, my dad was in the Navy. And at the age of three, we moved. Uh, so I was born in Kansas City, Missouri, now here in the States. And because he was in the Navy, he got transferred to Hawaii. And so in Hawaii, you know, we spent about a year or so. And playing, you know, it's warm. The weather's nice. And so we spent a lot of time outdoors. But it was very just sort of exploratory play. Go out with friends that I made and we just go do random stuff like nothing 
very sort of like pointless play, but you know, it's, it's very meaningful, but like, you know, there was no point other than to just keep the play going. And, and that I do remember fondly. And that is how, like I was able to make friends. It's just, we were just going out and doing things like, you know, we may build a fort or we climb a tree and yeah, that, is something that uh, sticks with me. Yeah, I feel like the superpower that I gained from that is the ability one to just explore, and and I, I feel like I'm always exploring. I'm sort of wandering. <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. That's cool. Uh, but all the ability to transform something into something else. We would go, and that tree would turn from a tree to a fort. Oh, and that same tree would, you know, also, you know, be a base for when we play hide and go seek. And and I feel like that skill really helps me in what I do now is being able to see things from a different angle and give it a whole new meaning or remix it. And it means something completely different in the work that I do. You know, the reason why I'm hired is to help bring meaning to something. If you're familiar with uh, stem cells, stem cells um, are, I like to call them like, you know, chameleon cells. Like you take a stem cell, you put it in your knee. Oh, it becomes a knee cell, like it, et cetera. And the games that we do can take on any shape or form. And I found that early on in my work in that at first, you know, as a facilitator, I'm like, all right, here's the game. Here's the outcome of the game and here's the debrief questions and i would go in with that thing like all right we're gonna play this game and and i thought i knew how it was going to turn out but then when you open it up to the participants to reflect on what happened i was surprised that the same game that i played with a completely different group now this group had a completely different sort of reflection i was like oh wow all right, this is cool. Like, all right, this can mean this. And that, again, talks about the beauty of play and how play is so transformative because when you have that playful mindset and you're open to creating and you're open to exploring, you can find new uses for things. Uh, like, for example, um, in the medicine world, like they, they found that Botox helps with migraines. Uh, Botox had a very specific, you know, point and then someone was open to it. It's like, oh, guess what? You know, this actually helped with this. Oh, guess what? All right, we're going to use this for this. And, you know, that's what happens when you have, like, the playful mindset is, like, you're open to discovery. As you were saying that, I remember back, and, I've, and I train a lot of facilitators, first-time facilitators, and the, very often they'll have been taught 10 activities, and they know them just those. Every activity is the one way they do it. Oh, there's someone has a problem solving. Oh, okay, trust. Okay, I'll bring out my trust activity. And not realizing that most activities can elicit conversations around all things. You just have to be observant in the role of, here, I'm going to set up this activity, and you play it. I've mentioned this a few times, but there's this wonderful analogy that someone recently shared with me about facilitators get onto a bus and turn the engine on, but then they leave the bus. Let everyone get on the bus. They get on the driver's seat. They get into the seats. They decide where they're going, the direction, the speed, every component of it is decided with them. The only thing I do was turn the bus on. And I like that notion when it comes to facilitation. And I think that's the thing that people miss when they're starting off is they'll do an activity and they'll be driving it the where, where they want to go. They're aiming, they know where they're heading. And often you'll see it 
they didn't experience that in the moment and then they come to reflection and they're talking about things that never happened and so you know that this happened you're like whoa no you're so scripted that none of that happened and you can see the the faces of people like really i don't even remember doing that i didn't remember doing that (laughs) so it's always so shocking to me What was the point at which you decided you wanted this to be your career? What was the pathway from, yeah, this is awesome. I can see the benefit of it, but how did you end up cultivating it to making it into something that you could do for a living? Unfortunately, it came out of desperation at the time. So me learning about the power of play and, and using applied improvisation. Now I say it was very selfish at first because it was just a hobby for me. And I, led teams so i you know worked for a company um and i used it as my leadership tool you know and it was only for that um and it was this hobby and my way of just staying fresh with this like i had uh like a meetup group where i would like run games and it was fun like it was just something that i did that i that brought a lot of value for me again because it was um and then i i co-ran this uh, digital marketing agency and we were we were in business together for about three three and a half years or so it was actually we're coming you know as of the recording of this we're coming up on the anniversary of when the big event happened i i remember that i was i was in nicaragua leading a retreat um and i was like reflecting it was the last night in nicaragua you know we're on the beach and i was like wow that's so cool that i have a job that affords me the ability to do this, to go to Nicaragua, to lead this retreat, to like, you know, do this. And then I, I have something that can take care of my family. I guess the universe had bigger plans for me because I came, I came back and that Monday morning when I was going to do my normal check-in with my co-founder, um, he basically was like, well, I think we should go our separate ways. I was completely blindsided. And he like gave me my sort of buyout check. And I was like, whoa. Okay. Uh, and to make matters worse, two hours after that, um, the landlord called me and my wife. We had, were renting a place and, and they said, well, um, sorry, I had bad news. Uh, I'm going to have to sell your house. So uh, essentially everything crumbled down and me and my wife, we sold everything and we moved in with my parents. Um, and I focused on this. This was like my, my next thing, mm-hmm. I guess. I could have just gone and got another job, I guess. Uh, I, but it was like, sort of like, all right, this is going to work. I'm going to make this work. Um, and to, to be honest, it brought me way more joy anyway. So, and looking back, reflecting, so it has been this uh, upcoming March will be three years uh, since like focusing on this as a profession. Honestly, I don't think I would have like made this leap had the circumstance has been different. And because I was forced to like have to do something, I was like, all right, I'm doing this. And so it, like, I don't advise anyone to do <laughs> when people come in like, Hey, you know, like I'm in a job that I don't like, should I just quit my job? I took them like, it's very stressful. Like to like, yes, I had no other choice. You know, they talk about burn your boats. I'm like, that is just too stressful. You're like, this has to work or else like it, but it did. Yes, you know, and and I'm I'm grateful, but and and that's why I said the universe had bigger plans for me because 
the thing that I was doing just for a few people. Now I get the ability to do it for way more people and make a bigger impact in the world. It's like we, we teach the things that we need to learn for ourselves. And for me, one of the reasons why I got into like learning about play was when I took that improv class and it became play for me. Like it was like recess and, and it was something where I'm like, it was like a big awakening for me because prior to that, I had the thought, you know, that most people have that, well, yeah, I like to play, but I have to do my work first. Um, you know, there is no overlap and the work is never done. So I never play. And then when I do play is not meaningful because I'm burnt out. And then when I took that improv class and how much of a relief it was to just like have unstructured time, like it was structured, but like time away from like work and, and how productive it made me, it was like awesome. And so I have, because of like, like my sort of mannerisms, I, I tend to like go back to that because I've been, it's been like sort of drilled in me. So like doing this work is always that reminder of like, Hey, Gary, you need to practice what you preach. You need to practice what you preach. So it, it, you're right. It is a form of therapy. We had a workshop called The Power of Play. And originally, it was titled Caution, Adults at Play. Now, Caution, Adults at Play didn't ever get much traction. We changed it to The Power of Play, got a little bit more traction. My thought was people trying to persuade their supervisors or ever to sign up for a workshop aren't necessarily want to go into a workshop that has the word play in the title because it feels childish. Right. And I think you and I know that play isn't just for kids. How, how have you combated that? Like, what, what do you do to try to encourage people to play? You're speaking my language because like on my journey of figuring out like how to make play something that is acceptable and, and received by adults, it's been such a challenge. Uh, and, and the people who do it, like they, they get it, but then we go back to our adult brains and then we, like you said, we stress out and we, we forget. Um, and then we, we have the, the converted and we need to get, we need a play needs uh, a makeover pay a play needs like a PR person to come in and, and help bring some positive press to it. Because even though we have all the research that shows the benefits, we're still not taking advantage of it. And so how I have been doing it has been the same way. My mom has been, well, how she got me to eat my vegetables when I was a kid. Because what kid likes to eat vegetables? Um, you know, and it's funny because my wife is doing the same thing with, with, our, with our son. And she, my mom, about 80, she would put my, my vegetables in my mac and cheese. She would make casseroles. And, and I love mac and cheese. And so I would just eat that and like, yeah, I'm getting vegetables. And, and my wife, she blends everything. Like, so the vegetables are super tiny. My son has no idea that he's eating vegetables and he's getting nutrients and stuff like that. And so I have been blending play into adult things. And so I have been like, you know, going down the training route and, and team development and saying, well, what are the skills that your team needs help on? You know, LinkedIn has this huge list of, you know, the, the competencies that are the most sought after jobs and, and creativity, communication, confidence, like all of these things are actually things that are born through play. <laughs> so I would go and say, oh, I'm, I'm doing a workshop on empathy. I'm doing a workshop on resilience. And like, oh, great. We need that. We need our people to be, to be able to think on their feet. And then, and then to their surprise, ah, we're playing. And so that's how I've been able to do it recently. But then the purest in me is saying, you know, 
why do I have to like hide the play? Like, why do I have to hide the play? We should openly play and not care what other people think. And so what I've done recently <laughs> have been inviting people to join the rebellion. And I say, look, it's time, you know, we, it's time to rise up. You know, the way of working is not working. And we need a few rebels, play rebels out there that are going to, you know, bring the spirit of play to work so that people can see this is actually making us smarter. This is actually helping us do our jobs better. So that's my recent thing. Uh, and it's, at, you know, as of right now, um, I am about to. And so actually by the time that this launch launches, I, that I should have done my first challenge. Uh, it's a 30-day play-at-work challenge. I'm very interested. I will be on board. I will join that rebellion. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who will also be very willing to do it. I've had to, something that I teach in some of the trainings is because I, you get the eye rolls, right? Sometimes when you're engaging in play, there's a lot of uh, having to, I love the idea of like the PR thing. I think that that's important for our entire industry. I think there's a, even the word team building has got a bad rap and it's like kumbaya circles and stuff. And so we, we try to create a little bit more buy-in for it. And I, yeah, the blending in of different terms, we've, we start mentioning team development instead of team building to try to let, make it seem a little more legitimate. We take out the word play, but we still inv immerse play into the stuff that we do or infuse it into the work we do. But what I like to teach people is rather than being childish, we need to be childlike because I think the childish pit, right? Like that's the, that's the hang up sometimes because people will say it's childish. And I say, no, 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 it's childlike. Because I think that we can be an adult and be still like a child. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need them. And it's so many, so many analogies here. Like, and I want to definitely touch on what you said by childlike versus childish, because I was, oh man, just talking about that just the other day and saying, you know, the qualities, like these qualities are qualities that we need to remember and they're helpful for us because I like to say like when you play and I forgive me for not knowing who like originally said this, uh, but when you play, it brings out your unbounded true nature. And that's why, you know, play is so it is, it can be so hard for people because it's a very vulnerable experience. <laughs> you know, you're really putting yourself out there by, 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 you know, playing and allowing yourself to be playful. However, when you do have that sort of childlike qualities, that's your superpowers. And so uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Hook uh, with Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. And actually did an article. I wrote an article about this uh, recently where I was referencing that and, and saying when you allow yourself to play, like you bring back those skills that have been dormant. And I talk about the scene in Hook where Peter, played by Robin Williams, is so frustrated because all he wants to do is go home and he's sitting here with all the lost boys and he's starving and they're they're pretending like they're eating. And, and he's like, Where's where the hell is the real food? Again, he's in his adult adult brain. And then uh Rufio starts ragging on him and immediately his comebacks, his retorts are so adult-like, you know, like they're not even childish at all. Or they're not childlike at all. Like they're very adult. But then he starts to get into it. He starts to allow himself to get lost in the game. And he brings back that spirit of wonder, that imagination. And he forgets that he's actually playing that there's no real food. And that moment where he like licks the the goop or whatever, and it comes to life in his 
like where he realizes like oh my gosh and and the climax of that scene where that now rufio is getting frustrated because he's not getting the attention and then he throws the coconut at peter and peter like instinctively gets the sword and he spins around and chops it into two like that is like his superpower that's been dormant the whole time and he'd allowed himself to be childlike and play and boom it came out and so like that is why we're doing this again is to unlock stuff that has been asleep we sort of shackle ourselves as we become adults right like we get rid of the stuff and then we just ah uh, and then we get to a stage and there's few of us who get the opportunity to get still do it and it's so great but i did a workshop um recently and it was a back i say recently it's actually before the pandemic but uh it was a office corporate group all wearing suits and ties when i went and played and i must have been play and there was so much laughter at the end and someone said to me at the end it's like oh i wish you could come back every day and do this with us and then i said why can you not do this tomorrow and they really couldn't seem to rack their brains around why they couldn't but they also didn't want to like i said at any point you're in the middle of a day if you're in like a cubicle office space why don't you just play tag like what like do something throw some fleece balls you know like it it, it doesn't have to be just when we're there and i think that people were like oh yeah it's so fun for me i just really hope that the messages that i'm giving is going to progress beyond me coming in because it's like it's fun and i get to be in that experience but if it's a one-off phil's coming or gary's coming and they're gonna play with me and then when they're done i i think like oh that's not i didn't do my job in that moment good enough because i really wish that i could spread it a little bit more right like and then when you hear someone mention oh yeah i did an activity that you taught me the other day and, and it made me laugh and i was like oh yes what a win i've spread something like i've shared some information that's the stuff that gets Gave me excited. permission yeah, that's it. Permission. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Cause and showed it's it's possible, right? Like I think that there's hesitancy and then people play. One quick little thing on the on the hook. I did a program and there was a kid in my group called Rufio. First real Rufio I've ever met, right? And it maybe showed my age a bit. I started going, Rufio, Rufio. And he looked at me and was like, What are you talking about? Never seen the movie. Had no idea what it was. I mentioned it. Couldn't. No relevance to it. And I was like, no. The one time I meet a real life Rufio and you don't know what that means. I wanted him to have a mohawk and everything, but nothing. None of that. Sad times. (laughs) I wonder, and this is just me, like, sort of, I wonder if that Rufio was born around the time when Hook was big and the parents just like, like that name, like it just yeah. became a thing. I don't, I don't, yeah. can't still. think of a name. What we love the hook movie, let's call him Rufio. Rufio, or it was on TV, right? Well, the baby was being born. A lot of people who listen to this are, I work with a lot of students, so a lot of people who are maybe studying. Um, experiential ed, adventure ed, they're going to get into the facilitation world a little bit. What advice would you have for an emerging professional coming in? Well, one, realize that the word facilitate means to make easy. So I come from an applied improvisation background where we have all these tenants that dancers sort of remember to help us, you know, be able to do experiences on stage together. And, and one of the core tenants in improv is how can you make your partner look amazing? 
And that, again, gets me out of my head and focused in the here and now. It's not about me. And so what like advice that I would give for an up-and-coming facilitator is, you know, how can you make the person or the group or whatever look amazing or feel amazing? And that is going to require you to get outside. It's not about you. Like, we, like the thing that you said at the top of the show is so brilliant and that our job is just to turn the key. That is it. Uh, because I remember when I was getting started doing facilitation, I was like so nervous. I was like, all right, what if I what if I don't say the the preamble right? Or like, what if I miss an opportunity to debrief? Right? Like I was making it about me, and um, you know, I again because the work we do, it is so immersive that you mess it up. <laughs> Even when you mess it up, you can't mess it up. Uh, but it you can it can cause a lot of stress. And so I look back on all my experiences, and it's like it's amazing experience to deliver this for people and advice that I would have given myself is be present, be in the moment, mess things up, like make mistakes, like, you know, don't go out and mistakes, but like, if you make a mistake, cool. Because sometimes in these beautiful mistakes, something amazing will happen. It's okay to make mistakes because you're going to have some great outcomes. And there's been some sweet activities I've made up just by forgetting to say a rule and then a new activity is played. <laughs> it's like, wow, that was cooler than the one I was planning on doing. So thanks for that. You know? Yeah, I love that. And I think that goes to say, like what you said also in the beginning of be open to like new discoveries. Because again, like when you're, when you're learning, you're trying to get it right. Um, and, I was talking about like the degrees of mastery and me learning about that. Like it was a big sort of aha of like, you have to go through this process. Like this is the, this is the process and, and it's four steps. So step one is imitation. And so as a facilitator, you learned a game, you know, so in talk game, maybe you read about a game. So the first step is you're going to be imitating probably the person who taught you the game. Step number two is integration. Like you have to integrate it into who you are and that, comes with doing the reps step number three is improvisation so you've imitated someone now you've integrated and like it's in there and so this is where i feel like people get stuck is on the integration they've integrated it and like it just becomes like robotic but step three is improvisation where now you're going to remix it now you're going to be open to like oh i made it all right you know what let me do that and then step four is mastery this the thing you have to go through each of those steps to get to mastery. You can't sidestep one of them. And so for me, I was getting frustrated. I'm like, man, why am I not getting this yet? And, and like, I was trying to rush the process. And, and if you just, like you said, realize you're going to make mistakes, that's all part of it. And, and some of them in the moment, probably you're going to suck and stink. But like, when you reflect back, you're like, Oh, all right. You know, that's really cool. Like if you just, I, I, I've been studying like what are the characteristics of playful people, and one of the the big ones is playful people accept reality. And if you think about playing a game, whether it's a video game or you know whatever like sort of outdoor game or something like that, you accept the realities, the reality. How might people, if they want to learn more about you, how do they find information about you? 
Yes. So if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, that, that Gary guy, like, yeah, he seems like a cool guy. I would love to get to know him a bit better or whatnot. Um, you can go to my site, breakthroughplay.com. Uh, I'm on uh, LinkedIn. You can just look me up. Um, and I'm on the social medias. I'm not as active, uh, but I'm there. I, I'm not that hard to find. Uh, Gary Ware. Uh, and I I love talking about this. Um, so please reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gary. I have appreciated it. Um, I'm sure everyone else is getting, can feel your energy about this stuff. And so please reach out to Gary. I know he's probably the same as me. We say this, we want people to reach out. We like having these conversations with people. So uh, please reach out to him and he will be happy to help you. Thank you so much, Gary. This has been a blast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>